0: This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Good day and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 113, recorded on the 23rd of September, 2019. On today's show, when and how to introduce major changes at camp. If you love the Camp Hacker podcast, you should subscribe to Camp Hacker in whatever podcast app you have on your phone. That's right, the one you use most often. Stitcher, iTunes, whatever. It's all good. Just subscribe and you'll never miss an episode. Thanks for letting your awesome out, Camp Mavericks. We hope you enjoy the Camp Hacker show.
1: Hello, Camp Pros, and welcome to the Camp Hacker Podcast. My name is Travis Allison. Uh, You may know me from such things that I've done as the Summer Camp Professionals Group on Facebook, CampMavericks.com, and Marketing Mondays. I want to welcome my co host today and allow them to introduce themselves.
2: Hi, my name is Dan Weir. I've been working camping for over 20 years now, primarily YMCA camping, and I work for the YMCA of Long Island developing their day camps.
0: And my name is Gabrielle Rail. I'm one of the Camp Directors at Camp Warro. Camp Waro is an all-girls camp situated in the Laurentian Mountains, and we focus on creating a positive female community while, while speaking in French and in English.
3: Hi, and my name is Joe Richards. I'm the Executive Director at Pierce-Williams Summer Camp and Retreat Facility. We're a year-round uh, facility located in Ontario and part of the United Church of Canada's Camping Network. Um, and uh, I just finished my 15th summer at Pierce Williams.
1: Wow, right on. Congrats. Yes, Thanks. Congrats indeed. Um, well, I, I want to welcome the three of you. Great to have everybody back. Welcome to episode 115. Uh, I'm actually really enjoying the fact that we're doing so many episodes this year because it's <laughs> nice to catch up and spend time with you folks. Uh, so it's the best
3: part of my week. Come on.
1: That's awesome. That is awesome. I'm going to say that the best part of my week is going to be going to Matt, our editor and producer's wedding on Saturday with Joe.
3: I will be there. I believe we're sitting at the same table, Travis. Nice. So.
1: That's great. Uh, um and I'm so not thank driving. you all for being there, <laughs> being here. Uh, we're going to talk today about some, you know, some of the big topics in camp, some things that we want to focus on. And uh, since this is the podcast that deals with big issues in camping, what we're going to talk about today is when and how to d- introduce major changes at camp. When you know it's time and what sort of things you do when you want to make big changes. Um, obviously, if you've been listening to the show, the, the, the past couple of episodes, you know, there's big, um, big changes in some of our co-hosts' lives and their camp careers. Uh, and there's lots of other big things that are going on. That uh, we've all dealt with in camp that um, we we'll want to spend some time on today, Joe. This is your topic. Something you suggested. What was it that made um, this important to you to talk about on the show?
3: I think it's important. It's it's an interesting idea that a lot of people ask about, right? Like the idea of when when you're new at camp, how much do you change, and and when do you know how hmm. when do you know how something's run its course, and and you can change it from there. Um, I think that the the topic itself is one of those things where there's there's program changes and there's physical changes and there's um, philosophical changes that you can Mm -hmm. make. And all three of those things can play a role into where you as a camp director, um, you know, how it works in your time, um, because if you try to do too much too fast that can be a problem. But if you do nothing and change nothing, then that can also be a problem. Um, and so it, it it becomes one of those things. I know years ago when I was at uh, the Taylor Staten camps, um, I had numerous conversations with Mike Sladen from Pathfinder and, and his, his thing, he was fairly new at Pathfinder at the time as a, as an owner. And he said, uh, one of the best things about um, is one of the best things is I get to do like morning meditation with the kids and the Mm -hmm. second day of every session i talk about how change is part of our culture and he said i do that as to to breed it into these kids that when something changes it's not that we're moving away from what we were it's just we're moving towards becoming better and so that's where that's really i think where this this conversation started joe um you
2: culture is probably the biggest thing right like if you have a culture of wanting to make change then you could yeah. You can do anything. That's like, it.
3: yeah. Well, and when, when Mike told me that I was just like, that is one of the most brilliant things. Um, right. Because a lot of private camps and I, well, a lot, the, some of the private camps I know, right. The, the owner or director will get up every morning and do that, that meditation mm-hmm. um, in the dining hall or somewhere. And, and so they have certain points that they talk about, but that being right. It's this idea that changes, changes us and it, it solves so many dramatic problems, right? Like when, because there are times when you go to change something, when you're new, like when I was new here, people would be like, you can't do that. And I was like, I, I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever, I want. I can do whatever the board will allow me. Right.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think that, um, well, let's let's push us in this direction. So, Gab, how do you know when it's important to make change?
0: Mm, uh, gut instinct and then asking people. Okay. I think um, I think if there if if there's and I mean, I'm paying attention um, to what's going on around around us. And when we shifted our our teams, or our camp teams from tribes to teams. Um, right. Yeah. When we were doing that shift, we knew there was a lot of things in our organization that was appropriating Native American culture, and we knew that it was wrong. And we wanted to make sure that with this change, it was going to be a learning opportunity, an opportunity of growth, and not a not something that was resistant uh, of our community. Because then right. that opportunity for education was lost. And so we we knew that we had different phases that we had to implement. And we knew that we would probably do that over a three to five year period. And then after that, we knew that there were going to be things that would emerge because of our own, uh, you know, ignorance. Uh, We wouldn't have, we didn't know we had to shift and we would learn that those were things that needed to shift. So I think that that came from certainly from the outside. Um, There was a, a staff member who came to camp, I would say about 15 years ago, and questioned our the tribe issue. And in mm-hmm. my head, because I grew up there, I never saw it as an issue. Right. And um, But you have to listen to those outside people and also what's happening within our society. And so then we started taking steps and educating ourselves. But the number one thing that I really didn't want to have happen as I started talking to a couple of people, the resistance that I received right away when talking about maybe we need to shift this was so strong. Um, we knew that we need to do it very, very delic- delicately and slowly and in an educated, educational way so that mm-hmm. they went back and said, this is why this happened and it's important and I'm proud that we did this and it was tough, but it was good. Um, and also, just and yes, gut, gut instinct, oh, looking at, at what's happening within your organizing, why is this not working anymore? Why are we holding on to, as Joe says, certain programs that might've been here for over 30, 40, 50 years, or of course, yep. traditions. And, and your gut sometimes can tell you this, we could do this better. Um, and then, and then explore with other people, how can we do this better?
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things, Gab, that sometimes change like that you want to take, you want to take very carefully. There's other things at camp that we change all the time, like where it's better just to change it and then, not ask questions, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't, there are certain things I just don't ask, lots of things I don't ask people and you just do, um, because it's easier to say, well, this is how, we, this is what's happening now, right? So, be it a physical thing or, a but a certain change like songs and traditions and when somebody says to you as a, to us as a camp director, when somebody says, but we've always done it that way, I like to remind them that those are the words of a dying church. Those are the Mm. words of a dying camp, right? Like we've always done it that way and they won't change means that. Right. It can be a problem.
1: And also we've always done it that way is often just in the memory of that person. And it's one of the interesting parts of this job is that I always say when, when something has happened two summers in a row, then it's, we've always done it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, They just don't remember. It's like, you know, people who you hear just dumb little changes, like we took a TV out of the staff lounge mm-hmm. and, you know, to, on the second year, some new staff member was asking about it and staff member said, oh, no, we've never had TVs in the staff lounge. It's like, mm-hmm. well, whatever. <laughs> um, that's just kind of how camp works. But um,
3: but that's it, also the it important. It can be
1: worth character. reminding them that that's your memory of it, but it's not necessarily that that is you know we've always done it that way it just means your lifetime or your memory of camp it doesn't mean that it is definitely true but I like um I like your point Gab, about having some sensitivity to it thinking about um big changes that you know are going to be hard and planning for them uh I think that there is you know, obviously different styles. Your your style versus what Joe was talking about is is very different. Um, But you're also talking about issues at different levels. You're talking about issues that seem to be the whole, like part of the history, the whole big culture of camp versus um, issues or or culture changes that you make that are um, small and incremental. Um, And for us, we always... when we made the biggest cultural changes in our camp, they were pretty small changes, but they did change the culture of the place. So implementing the four S's, if you're new and haven't heard me talk about the four S's every year, um, the four S test was the one thing that had the most impact on our camp culture and going, coming back from an alumni weekend just now, we heard some stories about how people applied the four S's in their life and what an impact it has made on their own decision-making ability. But It was the thing that changed our how we talked about camp to becoming a place where we allow people to practice making good decisions. And that came out of that cultural change of the 4S test. We'll we'll put it in the show notes what the 4S test is. I don't want to belabor the point, but it was a small change that we were able to make that just was safety like it was a change we had to make quick because it was about safety as much as anything dan in a lot of ways it sounds like your job your new job is to um you know to be the agent of change in um in your job working for the Y of long and not
2: yeah um it's funny you know um i think whenever you say the word change Mm. or uh people get scared um uh people if you look at what camp is. Um, It's a community, but it's also something that people just have such a sincere love for, and nostalgia that they don't want it to see a change. They want to see it be as great it was in their mind. And sometimes uh, their mind has changed how great it is. You know, uh, I, uh, everything that Joe and Gavin have been saying, you and you've said as well. It just reminds me of like how much we cling to things. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll be transparent right now. Um, and I've actually uh, the funny thing about this is if anyone I'm working with um, is listening to this, I've actually been telecasting my moves as 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 I've been going forward as well too. So. Um you know for, for me, I, I kind of break into three steps. Um, and then it, it goes from there. Uh, the first one is getting buy-in. Um, so buy-in is speaking with individuals, um, speaking with people that have been working it for a while. It's asking a lot of questions. It's um, listening more than talking. Um, the, the second part is um, getting um, data. Um, so data is, you know, any number you have, um, that's using swaps. That's uh, the strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. That's you doing focus groups with your consumers. That's um, anything that you could basically process in that sense. And then um, and then from there, um, taking all that stuff and, uh, and making an idea that is simple. Um, there's a book called Made the Stick that is just it's phenomenal. And it's really just boiling it down to um, some simple things that you could all get behind. And and from there um, you can make a culture change Um, and it could be a small culture change. It could be a major change, but um, the reason I bring up culture is just everything we do, it manifests, um, you know, and it, it really has to be fundamentals, um, and then once those fundamentals are working, all the other changes is easy to make. It's no longer a big change. It's, it's little changes. It's, it's enhancements. It's tweaks. But, um, but people are scared of the poor change. You know, like I've, I've led a few meetings so far in the past uh, three and a half weeks in this role. And, uh, and the initial thing is I'm not coming in here to change your camp. I'm not coming in here to make your camp what I was coming from. I'm coming in here to just work with you and to help you improve it. That's, that's really it. You know, and I use the words help. I use the word enhance, <laughs> you know, uh, refine. Um, uh, but I, I don't <laughs> use the word change. I actually do not use the word change at all when I'm, when I'm talking about this topic. It's, it's hard for people, you know, it's, uh, being vulnerable is looking at something that you've might've been working on for 20 something years. Uh, that's hard. So.
1: Yeah. And I think um, you bring up a very good point And all three of you mentioned it in some way, but it's so important to front load things. So either you're setting an expectation that change is going to come, um, but really to go through and say to people, here might be your worries, but here's, you know, here's what we're doing to counter those. Um, some of the things might be hard, but We're just front-loading as much as we can. We're saying, and I'm here to listen, I want to make sure that you understand that I'm not changing everything. I just want to help make things better for you and for your your people. And sometimes we skip over that part. We skip over the uh, simple front-loading of... We're going to be purposeful about this i often think about and this is sort of my philosophy of the summer care professionals group on facebook is um to think about doing things with kindness intention and patience and if you can do that then you can make big changes because you've earned the trust of the people um, that it's going to affect
2: yeah yeah trust is everything right everything it's uh yeah indeed
0: I had a a staff member who, and it, you know, it's a proud moment when some of your staff members go off to become camp professionals. And, um, she, she went off and, and worked at a couple of other camps and then took over, took over a camp. And, um, I remember having a conversation with the person that was thinking of hiring her, um, to, to come into this organization. And, um, you know, just a reference check and et cetera, et cetera. But by the end of the conversation, th- that individual asked me, is there anything else, you know, I should know? And I said, I said, well, I have a question and, and, uh, and I said, how are you going to make sure this person is successful? Like, what are you going to do to support them? You know, like I'm putting this person out into the world. They can do the job. But I knew that this camp wanted change and I knew that they were bringing her in to implement some of that change. And I knew she was the right person for the job, but mm when you put somebody in a position that is new and you and as the board or the owner of the organization and you want change i really believe that that change should come from the board should come from the owners and not this person that's going to be the messenger and that they say this is what we want and we want this person to help implement these changes we want this person to help and I've seen it, you know, time and time again, new directors coming into positions and they don't fail because they don't have a lack of skill or experience. It's because they're put into an impossible position because the organization itself does want change, but they're making them the messenger instead of the, the, the catalyst of helping um, move that change forward. And I think, mm. I think if you're in a position, if you're in a new position is talking to that board or the owners or whoever, on how you can be a team, but also how this message does come from above and not from, from that person. And you're the right person to maybe bring people in, as Dan says, have those conversations, listen, gather the information, and, you know, as a team, move forward. But it's, it's, it's a tricky position when you're new coming into an organization because change equals, you know, taking away something that these staff members and campers and families love. Uh, and, it's, and then that's threatened, and so defenses go up and makes that job so much tougher.
2: Yeah, it's like um, uh, what you're saying. It's like uh, uh, sometimes people hire people for them to be the disruptor, um, and those right. people never, never last long in their role, right? They kind of like destruct things, build things, and then they, they, they leave. And um, while that might be good for some organizations, I just think the stakes are too high with CAMP and um, you know if you disrupt camp uh, you're disrupting your community and that could you could possibly keep closing your camp within three to five years if you do it wrong like you know that might work for some other industries but just for us you know everything is built on this community and this feeling and you have to not view yourself as someone that's going to shake things up but someone that's going to take care of things and want to improve it you know um it's a stark difference i've met some people that are like yeah i'm gonna come in here i'm gonna change this this and this and it's gonna be new and great and it's like that's great but um when you're not respecting the old um it doesn't mean you have to do it the old way but when you're not respecting
3: it uh, the consequences are too big um and
2: that that's how you fail yeah
3: I think that goes a lot to the idea that you said earlier, Dan, that culture is everything. I think that when you're new somewhere, the changes you should make, like Travis did for um, for the 4S test, is similar to what I did here to change the culture to this idea of to do what needs to be done, right? And because there was this problem, and if you can slowly breed a culture where they believe in this one thing, be it the 4Ss or to do what needs to be done, you can get them to believe in everything else. And I think that once the culture is, once the culture is there, um, then you're doing small things to adjust cultural things, but some of the other changes don't come up as, as, a, huge, um, as a huge stumbling block. Um, and even when, when, when you're a camp that has an executive director and you hire camp directors underneath you, I think the important part is when a new person comes in Yes, are they being hired as that disruptor or are they being hired to maintain and introduce a few new things? Um, Because early in my camp career, I was certainly hired to be a fixer, right? Like to deal with problems that a camp had um, and you only stay, you know, you're you're not committed long-term. I think the real thing about major change at camp is this idea that you have to know that you're going to be, you have to at least have a sense that you're going to be there for a while right? Like if you're going to work on creating this amazing culture, but you have a contract that's only yearly, that's going to be a challenge. Right. And I, and, and, because you, sometimes people can't think beyond that year because all you're thinking about is right. My contract's up in, in November. And how do I get it, get it reinstated? I think the idea of choosing your battles in change is really important, right? The things that, um, you might hate a song, but there's nothing wrong with that song, but you don't need to not sing that song. Whereas sometimes change happens just because you subtract something without telling anybody. And if nobody pays attention, it just goes. So if there's an inappropriate song or skit or activity that the staff aren't overly attached to, right, you just, it'll just slowly fade out by itself. Um, and, And sometimes as I wrote down, sometimes you ask, right? You ask, you want people's input, and sometimes you just do because it needs to get done or it needs to change right away. Um, And I think that uh, the, the important thing we've realized at camp is that once, so that memory piece that you were talking about, Travis, the idea of we've always done it that way. Our phrase is we've always done it that way in your time, right? Like I'm the institutional memory now of 15 years, and I know that five years ago we didn't do it this way we've shifted but also the idea that we know that when we change something so we take all the beds out of the farmhouse as an example we're no we know we're going to have two years where people complain rental groups complain and people complain that there's no beds and there always were beds in the farmhouse um and and we are just like live with it for two years because after two years rental groups and and people stop right they get back to the norm um And, and, and so be it, right? Like we'll, I'll put up with it for two years. I'll put up with those complaints and, and conversations because we're not, we're not shifting it back. It's not like a, oh, there was an outcry. We're going to put them back. And no, because we're dealing with codes and and violations and things. And, um, and I think that those major, I wonder, I, I do wonder during this conversation for all of you, what do we consider major change, right? Like what is the what's the most major change you would have introduced at camp in your time? Uh, I'm trying to, yeah, it's funny. I,
2: um, I have, uh, with my previous camp, um, uh, changed the period blocks from five periods to four periods and, uh, we didn't do it right. Um, I, I thought I had people buy in. Um, what happened was I had false harmony and, uh, so we went in and did it. And then, um, literally spent all summer kind of repairing it and it was ugly. Uh, um, we stuck with it. Um, people now love it. Um, it took uh, another season for it to, to basically do it. We didn't have a drop in enrollment. Um, we still had staff come back, but um, it was far from clean, um, you know? And uh, for me, um, it went back to, I didn't get enough buy-in. Um, I didn't have enough, I didn't have enough, uh, like, people recognizing the effect it would have on the camp. And, um, I didn't make it simple enough. It really, really was that it sounds crazy just going from five periods to four periods being that troubleshooting, but so many people, um, couldn't grasp it once it got in motion or, or had objecting opinions or, um, just little things. um, but yeah, I, I think that was one I, I reflect on. The change I, I that was really hard for it to make, and it doesn't sound like it's that complex, but it was very complex.
0: What was con- complex about it was some, Was it the schedule shift and people had a hard time following the schedule? Was it? Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. It was.
2: It, it was a little thing. So we went from we had five one hour periods. So we had um, t- uh, two in the morning, three in the afternoon, and um, we went to an hour and a half. Uh, sorry, hour and fifteen minutes for periods in the morning, an hour and a half in the afternoon. So, uh, because they weren't at the same time, that was hard for some people. Um, uh, and when we did that, um, we recognized in hindsight that we had a, a bit of flexibility at the end of the day of schedule, which people at first took it as we're we we're a camp that's structured. We always like we know everything where we're going, and giving them all of a sudden a free forty-five minute block um, when they weren't expecting it, and the times starting to change. Uh, During the day changed. That really threw off a lot of people. For like three or three or four weeks, people were like, "Oh, I can't believe we have to go through this period again." And it it was like, "Well, what do you do during other forty-five minute free blocks?" (laughs) You know, like it's. I thought you wanted more free time um it it was funny you know it it was really went to buy-in with that um and then it was the simple things you know like uh rest hours no longer an hour it was now 55 minutes and people were frustrated (laughs) over that you know it was um all these little contradictions that just kind of fueled people's resistance to it and like everything there was a whole group of people that loved the change there was a whole group of people that didn't think it was any big deal and then um and then it was a, a group of people that just were like anti it so it's um yeah it was, it was very funny um but um you know two years later um people loved it um a year later people are like oh yeah pe- this is what we do um uh, so uh, it, it, i always find camp communities as a whole aren't great with new um they want new attractions they want new things um uh, to be introduced but they're not good with with change as a, as a whole in that sense
1: and I think yeah, that's I think, natural. I think that comes from uh, families and kids. like It's something that's constant and consistent for them. They want that to stay the same, especially if it's camp that's had a huge impact on them. That, that makes sense. Um, but we still have to make change in the middle of that. What were we going to say, Joe?
3: I, I think that that idea of um, that camps are resistant, that's one of the things I've noticed that's changed over time, right? people camp staff now seem to be more in need of that structure than I ever thought I did as a camp staff or during my time in the, in the nineties directing camps and working at camps. I think that structure comes from the idea that they, um, right. They almost know exactly what they know exactly what our expectations are as camp directors and they know what the schedule is. So changing that causes them to have to shift um, our, our big change here is that we moved to a choice based programming model and it's taken five summers to get it down to somewhere that, that looks and works with us, right? Like the, you're like, great, this, this works, this is a number of periods and we've shifted the periods as well. And, and our rest hour is shorter and our staff didn't, um, didn't have quite the, the breakdown that yours did, but, um, it, it is a, it is this idea that we constant, we're willing to shift anything, um you know, and major change. When you make a lot of capital changes, that's a major change to, to alumni because they'll come back and camp looks. Um, I tore down two barns in my time and it changes the look of camp. But now I was walking around with UCWs, United Church Women Ladies today. And I was saying, I can't even, I can't even think about what camp looked like 15 years ago. Like when I started, I can't picture like, I can sort of picture it, but I'm like, there's no way I'd want to go back to it. Like, I don't. Yeah, yeah. So, Joe, that change
2: I was talking about that we made. Um, you know, the nice thing was that after they saw it and they bought into it, um, the next the next year, people were much m- much more on board with making changes. Yeah. Um, it was literally I was breaking a culture out of not making changes. That's yeah. that was part of the resistance, and I never recognized that as working there for so long but when I was I was the director like when I was the one in charge and wanted to make a change I've been thinking about for a while um, that was I was part of that culture as well too it was very interesting yeah, yeah. And, and then after that um, we were able to make changes all the time and hmm. were very uh, adaptable um, but yeah it was just very funny
3: it, it and it's it's huge that just one thing can shift you into a new right your whole month your whole staff can be like oh well, yeah. If if you can do this, then we can do that, right? Like yeah, we can so. we can do anything, and um, and I think that that's one of the one of the keys is that sometimes major change at camp is only major because people are so resistant to any change, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, one hundred percent.
1: So it sounds to me like the, one of the biggest takeaways for people who are considering major change or struggling with major change is that um, is building a culture of change that it happens all the time. You get people used to it and it eventually becomes part of it. I, and I like that idea because um, when people are used to thinking of their places being a place of change, then they I think naturally become a little more creative about what the Program can be. What are the things that, um, you know, that they're willing to look at differently because they've been through something a little different? Did you find that that happened for you, folks? Gab?
0: Yeah we we had our our major major change. Uh, what perhaps happened? I think it was the second year after my folks purchased the camp, and even though my we had been on the camp for many years before, part of the camp, um, the 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 succession was was very smooth uh, because Jackie had been on staff for 20 years prior. So this wasn't an issue, but we decided to shift uh, the culture of our staff and it was a toxic environment and how we wanted to approach it, which was by implementing a communication program and reinterviewing all of our returning staff members, which we didn't used to do. When we implemented that, we lost uh, 75% of our staff, which was a huge For us it was that was very very big and it and we lost um people that came back were our quiet staff members they were the ones that were really in the background and probably for good reason because it was a toxic environment um and so we really had to build from the ground up with those people and with the new staff members that came in and we were very clear about what our mission was and our mission was camper first and to be camper first we have to communicate about our own issues and it's not going to be easy, but we're going to do it together was basically the message. And uh, like Dan said, once we implemented that, that big change, change within our organization became a lot easier. And also um, it did become part of our history. We started doing uh, going out to the the highway. uh, Once everybody uh, was uh, on camp staff wise for a staff training, we put a ribbon across the, the camp arches and We get a new staff member to cut the ribbon, and we talked about how we stand on the shoulders of the women that came before us, and uh, what they did was to allow us to build upon uh, what they did, and that, uh, and with that comes change for the better, hopefully. So, um, so that is part of our tradition now. That's something that we talk about, and and it does it did allow for when we shift from when we did the shift from tribes to teams. So that was a that was a big shift. Um, our campus and staff, it wasn't as much of an issue, but our alumni, it was. And I went towards the alumni first to gather buy in from them, and then um, our staff, and then our campers. So we went about it that way. But it's but doing yes, making big changes can become something to help you in the future in making those changes and riding it out would be helpful. is. Uh, you know, it's probably in your best interest if that's possible. But I also know that with this experience, with that first shift, I was, I wouldn't say I was aggressive about what the yes or no, but I didn't bring in people. I didn't bring in a conversation. I knew we had to change it, but I didn't bring people in to say, like, this is what I want to do. And I think we lost some people that we could have kept if I would have done that. And that was my lesson learned for when we did the the to Teams. Um, was i I decided i 'm doing this by stages i don't want to i don 't want to bulldoze my way through um, even though the outcome was okay and so that 's when I started bringing in people but i wouldn't it wasn 't an option we were going to change, but how we were going to do that that 's what I was asking uh, my staff and my alumni on uh, how we could do that that 's what I was asking them but that we were changing that wasn 't up for discussion
1: right. And I've always loved, I think it's such a great Woro story is how you did manage the Tribe to team, Teams um, transformation. I think it was so wise of you to go for, identify the alumni who you expected to have the most concern uh, and to go to them and to bring them on board um, in lots of different ways, but it just shows such a, an amazing level of intentionality to know your community that well, to know the people who are going to be most, well, really most hurt by this, whether or not that's logical to switching the one word from tribes to, to the word teams. And um, the names of those teams are pretty simple changes, but um, that it would affect some people and you wisely went straight to them and, and um, sat down and talked things through with them
0: yeah and, and what it allowed us to do was to do that really, really well, and then then we started changing names of cabins, and then we changed the names this year of our sections. So those two other things that we shifted, we sort of uh, as we say, we're, we're taking out carefully some of the pieces of fabric that um, uh, are no longer appropriate in our tapestry um, of our history. The other piece is that we're keeping it part of our history because we want to acknowledge that we made mistakes, and uh, it's important to to not h- to hide or bury those mistakes. But it was easier for us to change those names. Said, oh, okay, so these names now we need to shift them. We went through a really nice process of ta- cha- changing them for sections of our of. Um, of our campers, um, the way we did that, that was also designed. But it was much easier to do, so much easier, because the message was already, the platform was already built.
1: So um, is there anything else anybody would like to add to, to this particular topic? Go for it, Joe.
3: Yeah, the idea of planting seeds. Um, if you're going to be there long term, you can you can seed an idea years before, yeah, years, years before you do it. Right, like you can um for years, I've seeded my board about the idea of alcohol at camp because we have a policy about no alcohol, but for weddings right and and i've see I've seeded about right now, I planted a seed a long time ago about changing our name, right the idea that you take Christian Center off of the name because for grants and whatnot canadian Canadian granting organizations really just stop looking once they see the word Christian in your name, and so these are seeds you can plant. Um, to see how they germinate in the future so that you can um, you can slowly shift that cultural, that, that idea, because if you introduce it and try to bowl through a name change right away, there are people, alumni and whatnot, who are going to be pissed, right? And, um, but if you plant the seed and, and people understand the value of, of a new building or of renaming a building, right? So you're renaming cabins, and I, I just wrote down, um, somebody complained about the name of our newsletter, not complained. somebody mentioned that Longhouse is a, a Native American term, it's also a, a German term and a, an Icelandic term, but but in our culture, there's, there's only two places in, and so I was like, fine, I can rename our newsletter, I have no, that's not a battle, <laughs> I need a fight, and if we have somewhere called the Longhouse at Camp, I- I'm okay, right, renaming it? something else right it could be the green building right it could be whatever it it doesn't I'm not overly I find the old I find that the. I find that when you plant seeds and you know know where to put your emotion right like if you if you get overly attached to something if you're overly attached to the name of a building instead of the culture at camp or instead of the right it's is that really the value? Just because, and I I get it. Some people might have gotten married in the Longhouse and want it, but really, I'll let you name the building if you donate the money to replace it. <laughs> and even then, I need say on the name, so we'll go from
1: there. Excellent. Okay, so I think um, I think that's a good um, a good good place to round out what we've been talking about today in terms of, of making a major change. And as you've heard here, um, these two folks have been through some major changes. I mean, I went through a major change at camp when we were there changing the name and, and um, amalgamating a bunch of programs. And that was not fun. Um, and it wasn't stuff that was handled well because we weren't allowed to handle it. Like we weren't, we weren't the ones who, mm-hmm. Got the process going, we were just sort of given the fallout to deal with. And so we we'll definitely have a lot of lessons to learn from that. And that's been an interesting part of my work with different camps how to manage big changes and communicate about them so that they go as best they possibly can. Uh, but I really want to thank the three of you for your openness and talking about the things that, um, that have worked, the things that you have um, you know learned afterwards that, that you would have done a little bit differently in, in sharing all that. Uh, I think it is a, a gift to the camp community that the three of you are so open. And everybody who's been on the Camp Parker podcast has been so open about their own struggles or things they did well or not so well. So thank you for that. Uh, therefore, I'm going to move us on to our tool of the week.
3: Tour of the Week.
1: So welcome to the Tool of the Week. It is our section where we share with you something that helps us be a better camp director. Uh, Our Tool of the Week is sponsored by my newsletter that I put out every Tuesday morning at 6.05 in the morning uh, called the Tool of the Week newsletter. If you want to sign up for it or you find stuff like we're talking about interesting and want more of them, then you can go to gocamp.pro/tow. Tow of course for tool of the week and, uh, and sign up there, but uh, this is um, one of my favorite sections of of the podcast. So um, Dan, I wonder if you could start us off with what your tool is this week.
2: Yeah, so um, this tool uh, is actually for me as a as a human. Um, I going away to camp, uh, you know, running summer camp every summer. Um, I especially overnight camp. You don't spend anything. Like you don't spend any money and you get into uh, like, oh, my food's here, or my tea's there, or my coffee's there, all that stuff. And then every summer I get out and I'm like, oh, I didn't spend any money for three months. I could just spend money, <laughs> no problem. And uh, it's very funny because then a few weeks got set in and uh, then I realized I spent all the money I saved from the summer. It's great. So um, I have been tracking my spending um, this uh, post-summer using the Daily Cost app. Um, it's a really simple app. You basically, uh, it's very intuitive. You like, you just, ent- I just enter it in after every uh, purchase I make and it makes me very cognizant of the money I'm spending. And you can use mint for this, but there's something about entering it in that makes you more conscious of your spending. Mint gives you a great summary and there's a ton that your bank could do this as well too, but you're always seeing those hindsight. But, if, um, I-, I got into the habit of every time I spend money now, I actually pull up this app and and enter it in and it's actually deterred me from spending money (laughs) and it's great um, because a lot of times it's just it's silly things a lot of times i don't need to go to that starbucks or i could wait an extra half hour to get that or i could see if i have another notebook at home or you know it's just these little things where i would not have spent like that prior to summer um so so yeah the daily cost is the app it's free it's intuitive i
1: really enjoy it Excellent, thank you, Dan. I love something that is as much for the person as for the position. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Joe, what's your what's your tool?
3: My tool of the week this week is uh, Adios, um, and Adios is a. Imagine what would happen if you only checked email three times a day. Is their tagline? It is a a Gmail extension that only delivers your Gmail three times a day, as many as three times a day, as little as once a day. Um, I've been using it since prior to the summer, and I have three times set up. Um, I'm sure I could shift those times. Right now it's 8 a.m. email comes in, 11 a.m. and 2 p.m., meaning that you send me an email after 2, I'm not going to see it until 8 a.m. the next day. And um, you might say, well, I could never do that. If I need this, I need to see my boss's email right away. You can set that certain emails go through. Um, let me tell you, it has changed. It has changed the way that I work because I'm no longer reacting to an email when it comes in. I am re- I know at 11 o'clock I'm going to spend anywhere from 20 minutes, you know, to half an hour just clearing those emails. Um, and I've also so adios has, has helped me tremendously. Um, and after two o'clock, it allows me to just do whatever I need. I'm not chasing somebody else's needs or answering a little question that somebody had. And if somebody really wants, if it's a summer staff or a, a full-time staff in our office, you can come and see me, um, or you can hit me up on our Slack channel. But, um, for most things, this is, this has worked really well for me and I would highly recommend it. And it's free. Uh, There's no cost to it. And the reality is if you're really worried about it, people, it's a folder down in your Gmail. So you can always go and see how many are waiting for you and you can look at them. So when, so today, Travis, you send me a link to the, to the show notes. I can just go into that, um, I scroll down to that folder, I see there's three or four emails waiting, I click on yours, and I'm, I'm good to go. Um, and then I can take that label off it, and that email never shows up in my inbox then, it just goes into my archive right away. Archives. It is a brilliant system and will shift the way you do work. It allows you to do more work, more of what you should be doing. And to be less reactive, which is a
1: perfect position to be in to feel more in control and to get more accomplished.
3: Yeah. And and that's where I've also, I had this talk with our full-time staff, this idea that um, don't send an email if you can come and ask the question, right? Like when you're in a small office, there's no reason that you should be sending me an email and then expect an answer to that question within the next hour if I'm sitting 30 feet away from you, right? Like pick up the phone call me. Right. I'm not. And, and so um, my staff know now that if they send me an email after two, I'm not going to, if it's something they want an answer to or need an answer to, they, they know that um, our communication, our office has gotten better because we we've taken, I've said, don't ask over Slack, right? Like if you're standing 30 feet away from each other, saying something over Slack to right, that's not where chat comes in as well as like, when you're off working remotely, so but Adios has been—I forget where I found it. It's been great, though. Sounds
1: like an awesome tool. Yeah. Cap,
3: what's your tool today?
0: My tool is a hybrid uh, face watch. So it's it's a hybrid between a smart watch and a general uh, face watch. So there's it's you got the regular hands and everything. This is my watch right now. I'm holding it up. Um, why I really like this watch is that it's synced to my phone, and I can program it um, um, to notify me when a text or a phone call comes in and I can program up to twelve uh, different people on on my phone so on my watch so I can see if when uh, both hands go to one and it starts buzzing on my on my wrist that I know that the camp is trying to call me or our trip is trying to call or whoever on my team. So this summer, instead of taking out my phone, which I would do often when I'd hear a ping or a buzz, I could see who was calling me. And if they were in town, I, I, I would know, okay, I don't need to call back Right, I don't need to get, uh, answer this right innate way. But if it was a trip, I would answer or people that are picking up campers at the airport, I would program that staff member's cell phone into my, into my watch. And then it would buzz. It also tracks your, um, your steps. If you want to, you can also turn on and off your uh, music from your phone, which is great when you're standing on stage and you want to press pause on the music or press start on the music and you don't have an extra person uh, helping you because they're taking care of kids. But more importantly, you you don't have something digital that's showing uh, to your campers and it's an extra notification of the buzzes and pings that you're getting. Um, And then other buzzes and pings you can just ignore, which I do. I put my phone on silent and no buzzing, and I just get a notification on my watch. So I really, really, really liked it. Made me use my phone a lot less this summer.
1: Thanks, Cab. That's awesome. I. Um, it's a really cool. Is there a particular brand of a hybrid watch that you liked? Or did you research them, or you just said I need one that looks like a watch? But
0: I had a. F- I, I didn't even know they existed. My f- one of my friends, Natasha, um, had been obsessively looking online, so she got a fossil, and I soon after she got one, I got one as well. So I. It's they're waterproof, et cetera, et cetera. It's a. Yeah. It's awesome. They're awesome. Cool. Yeah.
1: That's very great. Thank you. Uh, my um, my tool of the week is one I actually uh, haven't started. It's a book um, that just arrived this week, but it's based on... It's an author whose work I've always loved. It's an author whose work has impacted my camp and communication style from the very beginning um, from the Duarte organization. Her, her name is Nancy Duarte, and this book is called Data Story. And um it is the third in a series of books that she has read. Um, the one uh, called Slideology um, really has meant it's my whole world for presentations, um, and I often get comments on how pe- how much people like my style of presentations. It is all out of this book. It's all Nancy Duarte. Um, Illuminate is the second book. Ignite change through speeches, stories, ceremonies, and symbols very cool, worth looking at if you're making big change. Um, And so that's called Illuminate. Um, But the one that I am looking at um, that's brand new to my desk is called Data Story. And it is the time of year when many people have um, completed their summer surveys, when they have, you know, starting to compile some of the data that's accumulated, whether it's outcomes data that you're measuring, it's just the survey stuff, et cetera. This allows you to tell... Um, the story of what that, tell the story of the impact of camp, tell the story of what the summer was, what the big things are that happened that people noticed. And so I'm looking forward to getting into this. I think it'd be a a great resource. With confidence, this is my tool of the week because the other books have had such a huge impact on me. Um, I know that this one is going to be awesome as well. And speaking of data stories, I would say that it is totally worth Going to Facebook and searching for Pierce Williams Christian Center uh, because they just posted congratulations show um, the results from their summer surveys and they're awesome is really easy to understand great to see the good work that the camp is doing. And something that not a lot of camps do, um, which is a lot of us take in the information, but we don't share back what that information was or what the lessons are that the camp has learned. And I think one of the most powerful things you can ever say to parents is because of your feedback, we have done this. And so nice that Joe is sharing um, all the super strong positives and some good good number stuff that they always mix in when they release this. And I, I admire you for doing that, Joe.
3: And a um, huge shout out to Matt because he uh, he made that happen. There you um, go. And the reason we collect that data is uh, is for United Way reporting, right? Like mm. if you're in the United Way agency, so um, even if you learning what to collect. And the United right. Way just approached us to say they don't need all of that data anymore and I was like we'll just keep taking it right yeah, yeah. go
1: cool so thank you for being a camp that's open enough to present that I think it's a great lesson for other camps to show um, you know uh, the things that people say the percentage of positive impact um, the change in number, percent of participants who have a an outcome that you know positive outcome in on their life it's smart and good so um, thank you for doing that. And if people are interested in figuring out how to do some of that, I would definitely start with Nancy's Illuminate book. Illuminate. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, I, and I'll give you some, some, as I get more into data story, we'll be able to present some more of that stuff too. So uh, thank you to everybody for being on the panel today, for sharing your good ideas and your big struggles. As I said, Joe, if people want to follow up with you, how do they get in touch?
3: Uh, the easiest way is to connect with me via email, joe at campisbetter.com or joe at com, and um, go from there. Great. Thanks, Joe, for being here. Not a problem.
1: Dan, how can people follow up with you?
2: Yeah, um, I can be reached via Twitter at DanlovesCamp and at Instagram at DanlovesCamp. And then my email address is just dan.weir, W E I R, at org.
1: Excellent. We're so grateful you're here, Dan. Thank you. Gab, how about you?
0: Um, you can reach me at uh, in, on Instagram at Gabrielle Rail with uh, two L's rail. And you can check out where I work at waro.com.
1: Excellent. Thank you again, everybody, uh, to the, the, the panelists. Uh, if you want to reach with me with ideas for shows um, or comments on the show and any in particular, you can find me at Travis at GoCamp.Pro. Um, most of my campy stuff on Instagram is done on at Camp Hacker. Um, but emails is a great way to reach out if you, again, have some comments or su- suggestions. And, uh, the other thing I will say is if you're interested in those tools of the week and you weren't able to catch them, when you're driving and, um, you weren't able to jot them down or, or miss some of that. You can always find our show notes at camp slash podcast. And this is episode 115, and uh, we're recording it on the 23rd of September. If you, um, want to find the notes and find the links to the things that we've talked about. Uh, so we want to take time and thank our editor and podcast producer, Matt, who we've been talking about quite a bit today, um, for all the work that he does to promote the show and to do the editing and get them out to everyone.
3: And congratulations and, on his uh, his wedding. Good work. Good yes. Work. Matt will be okay. married by
1: the time yes. the show comes out. Yes. So congrats, congrats to Matt. Um, thanks, Matt. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to everybody soon. We'll, We'll be coming to yours in two weeks' time. Thanks for the evening, friends.
0: The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.